I was just thinking as Miss Jacqueline was singing about the life of Jehoshaphat and he was surrounded by the enemy, looked pretty impossible situation and the Lord told him that he would not have to fight in that battle. The battle was not his but it was the Lord's and so Joshua put into practice uh, weapons of warfare and one of those weapons of warfare uh, was to worship the Lord and as they began to worship the Lord, uh, the Lord set ambushments against the enemy. And you're going to find that uh, sometimes when you are in the midst of a war, a spiritual battle, and uh, you don't feel like it, uh, but that's when you need to just take some time to uplift and worship the Lord. And you're going to find in the process of that uh, that the Lord is able to do something really special through the difficulty. Let's uh, go to Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to read through this entire parable this morning. Uh, we will uh, eventually as we preach through it, but I'd like you to stand with me if you're able. As we read a portion of the Word of God, I want us to take some time here this morning just to prepare our hearts uh, today for the preaching of God's Word. This is known as the parable of the pounds. It's very similar. I'll make a statement about this uh, in a moment. Very similar uh, to the parable of the talents, yet there is uh, a, a very important distinction between the two parables. In Luke chapter 19, uh, we'll pick up here at verse number 11. <clears throat> Uh, really, let's go to verse 10. And verse number 10 states, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, here's kind of the title of our message this morning, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, Having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. I'm going to stop at that point because we're going to come back and, and just uh, make our way through this uh, particular parable. Some very important teachings uh, for us this morning. As we pray this morning, would you ask the Lord to have his way in your heart? And we, we sure need to hear from heaven today. Uh, need a word from the Lord. And I need to hear, thus saith the Lord in our hearts this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you already. You've, you've been good to us. You've met with us. It's just been good to be in this place. And uh, we've been reminded, uh, tell me uh, about Jesus. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help me this morning, that we might fulfill the request of that song, just to uplift and to exalt the precious name of Jesus this morning. Lord, I, I don't know any hearts, I don't know any needs this morning. I'm always grateful, always mindful of the fact that you know every heart. Lord, my job is simply to be obedient unto you, to deliver the message that you put upon my heart. Uh, but Lord, I, I can't do it without you. Uh, but Lord, I also understand and know that uh, that word is, is meaningless unless your spirit takes and just interprets it to the heart and makes it real. And I pray you would do that this morning. pray you would uplift and exalt yourself. Lord, we look unto you. We are very needful of you this morning. And we pray these things in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. 
I think I mentioned this uh, earlier, but this is another uh, of the parables that deals with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many scriptures in the Bible that uh, specifically point to the fact that Jesus is coming back again. And Jesus, the, even the night of his betrayal, uh, very clearly expressed to his disciples that he was going to go away. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again. I'm coming back. He said, to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I uh, just think about uh, that promise that the Lord has given unto us. He's coming back again. Now, in this parable, if you'll look with me at verse number 12, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ is this nobleman. And we read, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And this is a picture, a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go back with me, verse number 11. Let's gain the context of this parable. It adds a lot of detail for us just knowing the context. In verse number 11, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. And so this takes us back to this salvation testimony in verses 1 through 10 of Zacchaeus. We often speak of Zacchaeus. He's that wee little man. He's the publican. He's the tax collector in the city of Jericho. Bible makes note that he's a very wealthy man. And when Jesus passed through Jericho, Zacchaeus desired to see him. And Zacchaeus, being just a short little feller, says, I've got to find a way in all of these crowds to, to see the Lord Jesus Christ. He ran ahead of the crowd. He found a sycamore tree. He climbed up into that sycamore tree, and he waited for Jesus to pass by. Now, what Zacchaeus did not know is though he was looking for Jesus, Jesus was looking for him. And Jesus Christ came by that tree, looks up into that tree, he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. And we read of the testimony of we little Zacchaeus. Uh, what a testimony of salvation. And we go to verse number 8. And it states, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. This is the testimony of his true conversion, his repentance, his faith in Christ. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now these are the things that Jesus spoke that they had heard before he gives this parable. And so in verse number 11, as, he, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. And this is the parable of the pounds. You go to verse number 11, the last part of verse number 11. And it reads, because he was nigh Jerusalem, because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. If you go back into Old Testament scriptures and into the mindset of that Jewish culture of that day, there were many promises in the Old Testament of a Messiah that would come to that nation and establish the kingdom and rule upon the throne of David. The promises were that he would defeat the enemies of Israel, that he would establish peace. 
And so because Jesus is on the road and he's nigh to Jerusalem and he's made many statements previously in the Gospel of Luke that he's on the road up to Jerusalem, heading towards Jerusalem. But because of this, they made an assumption, and the disciples included in this, that Jesus is going to Jerusalem and that he is the Messiah, that he would now defeat the Romans, that he would restore the kingdom to Israel, and that he would now rule upon the throne of David. That's their mindset. That's their expectation. But Jesus spoke this parable to teach them otherwise. He would eventually restore the kingdom. Uh, we read of many promises, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, and and we believe this is yet future, that this will take place. But what Jesus expressed to the disciples is the time is not yet. It's not now. And you look in verse number 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Jesus says, I'm going to go away. It's going to be a far country. I'm going to be there a length of time before I return. And then he gives the details of this parable uh, to express what his expectations of us and of his people are in the meantime. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to break this parable down into three individuals or sets of individuals and uh, teach the lessons that this parable teaches us this morning. Again, look at the nobleman who said this is the Lord Jesus Christ in verse number 12. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is the Lord. He's on his way to Jerusalem, not as they supposed to establish the kingdom at this time. That would come later. But now he's going, and he's told them and many, many times. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'll be given into the hands of the Gentiles, which be the Romans. They're going to crucify me, but I'll rise again. And so this was the purpose. And uh, and we know, he says, I'm, I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to rise again. And the Bible says that he would go to a far country, receive for himself a kingdom. And after Jesus rose, he ascended into heaven. Uh, his father will there deliver to him the kingdom. And then in verse number 12, he makes this statement, and to return. And the fact is this morning that Jesus is coming back again, just as certain as I am here today, Jesus is going to come back again. And in verse number 13, he delivers to his servants his expectations. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I believe in our parable here, the servants are a representation of those that have been saved, those that have been born again, those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not a parable this morning of salvation. This parable is not telling you how to get saved. We're saved by grace, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works of the law or by the deeds of the flesh. Uh, this parable is this morning a parable of accountability. And so he called ten servants, he delivered them ten pounds. Each servant is given a pound, and this pound would be an amount of money, and if this were silver, uh, it would not be that tremendously valuable. If it's gold, it's a little more valuable. Uh, but it's, it's similar, as we mentioned, to the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Now, in the parable of the talents, in that parable, one servant is given five talents, another servant two talents, and another one talent. 
And I believe the parable of the talents teaches that God has gifted every one of us differently. It is a blessing. We're not alike. If there was somebody else that would like you, you wouldn't like them. God made us all different. And He's given to us different gifts, different abilities. He does not expect the same from all of us. He's given to each of us a race to run. And every one of us are going to stand before the Lord and give an account of the race that we run. But in the parable here of the pounds, every servant is given one pound. Every servant given the same exact amount. I believe the parable of the pounds represents the opportunity that the Lord said before us. We are all given an opportunity. You have an opportunity to serve Jesus. You have an opportunity to share the gospel. You have an opportunity to be used of God. And as he delivered the pounds to the servants, he said unto them, and this is very important, occupy till I come. He says, make use of your time. Take advantage of your opportunity. You can write beside this thought, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. These verses read, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And to occupy is to redeem the time, to make use of this window of opportunity that God has given to each and every one of us. And to occupy is to serve Jesus Christ. Now you go with me to verse number 15. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So Jesus is coming back again, and when he comes back again, he's going to hold us accountable. How did we invest the pound? What did we do with the opportunity? Did we use it to further the kingdom of God? Did we use the life that God has given to us to make an impact on eternity? Or did we simply waste the opportunity that God gave? Here's the nobleman. Now, as we read through this parable, he speaks of the servants. And I believe these servants represent the saved, those that know Jesus, those that have by grace through faith in Christ have received this gift of salvation. See, when Jesus returns, he's going to hold his servants accountable. That thought is so clearly taught in the Word of God. One day... Every one of us will stand before Jesus. One day, every one of us will give an account. We read in Romans chapter 14, verse number 12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And God's going to hold you accountable for that pound. Now, I want you to keep your place in the Gospel of Luke. We'll look at several other scriptures. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here Paul the Apostle is expressing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then as Paul is giving that statement, I'll read that, verse number 8, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul said, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul said, with that in mind, wherefore we labor 
that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's speaking to the saved, and all saved will appear before that judgment seat, that everyone may receive uh, the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is not salvation. This is after salvation. This is your accountability to the Lord that bought you by his blood. And he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust are also manifest in your consciences. What Paul is saying is, I'm going to depart from this body one day. I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to give an account of my life. And knowing that I labor with all of my heart, I know the terror of the Lord. I do all in my power to persuade others to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Again, this is not salvation by works. That's impossible. But it's an accountability for that opportunity that God gives unto you. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11, Paul writes, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Uh, when you have received Christ, you've entered into the gate. He's the foundation. Now, once you've been saved, if any man build upon this foundation, verse 12, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But he says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Again, he's speaking to save people, and he's saying the foundation is Christ. After you're saved, you build upon that foundation, but you're going to stand before the Lord to give an account of how you built. And he said, if you build with uh, gold, silver, precious stones, you'll receive a reward. If you build with wood, hay, and stubble, that work is going to be burned, but you're saved. Uh, Lot is an example of that in the Bible. And this is the testimony that true salvation is secured through the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 12. Revelation 22 verse number 12. Three times in Revelation 22, Jesus said, I'm coming back again. In verse number 12, he said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And again, speaking to save, the Lord will give according as your work shall be. Now go back with me to Luke chapter 19. As we look at this parable of the pounds, there are two types of servants. And he mentions the faithful servants in Luke chapter 19, verse number 16. Luke 19, verse 16. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful, and I've underlined that word faithful, in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, again, this is a faithful servant, be thou also over five cities. And so of these servants, one gained from his pound ten pounds. He was wise in his use of the opportunity. Uh, one gained five pounds. Again, he was wise and faithful in the opportunity. Now, what do you notice? A couple of thoughts here. Uh, these servants knew their responsibility. 
The Lord said, Occupy till I come. Make use of your pounds. Make use of the opportunity. Invest your pound wisely. And so they obeyed their Lord. They wisely redeemed the time. They were prepared for the Lord's return. When the Lord returned, they could stand before the Lord unashamed. They had served the Lord Jesus Christ. There were souls that they had brought to the Lord. There were investments that they made. They were faithful to their calling. And as the Lord returned, they received a reward. The nobleman never promised them a reward. He said, occupy till I come. Here's the pound. Make use of this opportunity. Never promised a reward. He owed them nothing. And understand something this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ owes you nothing. But for those that are faithful in his return, he gave a reward. They were commended by the Lord. Well, thou good and faithful servant. He said, good job. Wasn't that a blessing? The Lord returned, held them accountable. Uh, It's like he patted them on the back. Good job. I'm proud of you. You did what I told you to do. You wisely used your opportunity. And in using that opportunity, you gained another 10 pounds. Good job. And likewise with the servant of 5 pounds. You were wise in it. Uh, I was thinking back to working a job. I was a summer temporary uh, at a natural gas pipeline company. And, and uh, during the summer between college, uh, in the fall and the spring, uh, I would uh, work uh, at the, at the, the company. And, and one summer, uh, my boss, uh, myself and another young man, uh, he said, your job this summer is to go out here into the, the forest. It was near the forest. And, and uh, the, the old dumpster had blown trash all over the forest. And he said, your job is to go out here and to clean all of the trash out of the forest and put it back into the dumpster. And it was a mess out there. Now, the interesting thing about that, he said, I don't have time to watch over you. Uh, He said, your job is to go and to stay busy, and nobody's going to keep up with you. Nobody's going to know what you're doing, but that's your job. And so all summer long, we did that. But I remember the day that came, and he came out to look at the job that we had done, and I'm very grateful we didn't sit by the, the job. We did what we were called to do. I'm grateful that when he came, uh, he could say to us, you guys did a wonderful job. It looks very good. Well, the Lord is holding us accountable. And we live in a time you may not realize it. The Lord watches you. He sees you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're accomplishing. He's going to hold you accountable. And here is the privilege here. When you are faithful to the responsibility that God gives to you, He gives you a bigger responsibility. In this life, if you are faithful to the calling of God, God gives you more responsibility. I love in our, our teachers' training for our Christian school, we, my favorite pace, we have a, a, what's called the monkey pace. And the monkey pace talks about feeding the monkeys. And so when you're given a monkey, you feed the monkey. You do a good job feeding the monkey, you get a second monkey and a third monkey. And if you do a really good good job feeding the monkeys, then you'll get a gorilla. And what it means is your responsibility begins to increase, and that's very scriptural. As you are faithful to what God gives to you, God increases the responsibility. 
And so that's part of the reward in this life, but I believe there's a reward in the kingdom to come. And what the Lord says, rule thou over ten cities. Do you know that uh, God's children are going to have the opportunity to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't understand all that's involved in it, but what I do know is I want to be with Jesus, and I want to be faithful to Jesus, and I want to do that which Jesus has called me to do. I want to make use of the opportunity. There's the faithful servant, but then there's an unfaithful servant. Look with me, Luke 19, at verse number 20. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. I wonder how many truly saved people are laying up their opportunity in a napkin. He said, For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping where I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not my money to the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that had ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he had ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. Now again, of this wicked servant, this unfaithful servant, he knew his responsibility. He heard the words, Occupy till I come. He'd been given the same opportunity, the same pound. He'd been given the gift of life. But he neglected his responsibility. He laid that pound up in a napkin, wasted that pound, wasted that opportunity. And he lost his reward. He was rebuked by the Lord, thou wicked servant. The pound was then taken from him and given to the servant who had been faithful. Here's the principle, friends. Listen close to this. If you don't use your opportunity, that opportunity can be taken from you. You lose the opportunity. You lose the chance to be faithful, the chance to serve, the chance to invest in eternity, the chance to be used of God. I, I knew of a man, and I heard his testimony. He said, as a young man, God called me to preach. He said, I knew that. But he said, I did not want to follow that call. I thought that I would go broke. And so he said, I did not follow that call of God upon my life. I heard him give his testimony. He said, I began to work on my own and do my own thing and try to gain my money. And in the process, he went through um, a horrible accident that really removed from him the opportunity. And I believe it was the chastening hand of God. He said that himself. It was God's discipline in my life because I did not follow the call and the opportunity that God had given to me. See, if we're not faithful to the call, we're not wise, we take that napkin, we take that pound, and we wrap it up in that napkin, See, here, here was a man that claimed Christ, a clear testimony of salvation, but was not faithful to the call, not dependable, not dependable in church, not dependable in the things of God, not dependable in the Word of God. And uh, though clear testimony of salvation, friend, the opportunity in a moment of time can be snatched from you, taken from you. 
Now, in the judgments, there was a loss of reward and a rebuke that came from the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will truly last. I don't want to, as a Christian, just exist. I don't want to just go through motions. But that's what happens when you lose the opportunity. Why did this servant neglect the responsibility? I want you to look back at verse number 21. He said, I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, thou layest not down, reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth would I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid down, now, uh, laid down not down, and reaping what I did not sow. One thing becomes evident, he didn't love the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He really didn't believe the Lord was returning, it seems evident, and maybe he thought that in his mind, the Lord's coming back, but he lived his life as if the Lord was not returning. That's where a lot of Christians are. Uh, they're mindful, yes, the Lord has promised that he's coming, but I think life is going on, and it probably won't happen in my lifetime, and besides that, I've got a lot of time left to live, and maybe it was procrastination, and maybe one day this man planned to serve the Lord, planned to invest the pounds, and uh, I've got plenty of time. I plan to be faithful in church one day. I plan one day uh, to serve the Lord. I plan one day to begin reading my Bible. I plan to find one day a place of service. I plan, but not yet. I've got plenty of time. Maybe he was preoccupied. The world, pleasures, possessions, other things. Always an excuse. Somebody said, wisely so. An excuse is a skin wrapped around a lie. That's a good definition. Here this man made an excuse. But it was a lie and it was a skin, the excuse, wrapped around that lie. Maybe he was just indifferent. When Jesus comes, many servants are going to be ashamed, weeping. It'll be a sad day. It should be a day filled with joy. But it'll be a sad day for many. Imagine a, a woman engaged to her love. She's looking forward to the marriage, but he travels off to war. He's overseas. And she gets discouraged, and he's taking so long, and he may never return, and all of the lure of the flesh, and uh, she quit being faithful, and then unexpectedly he returns and finds her unfaithful. And what should have been a happy day becomes a very sad day of shame and guilt. So I believe many truly saved are going to be brokenhearted before Jesus when he comes down. Here's the nobleman. Here are the servants. Uh, the unfaithful one is like the one of 1 Corinthians, the wood, hay, and the stubble, and all of it wasted. Now go back with me to verse 14. There's a third category of people, the citizens. In verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. 
Now it's evident as you look at the context and Jesus heading to Jerusalem and the crowd that he's speaking to, he's directing this statement to these Jewish leaders who did not want Jesus to rule over him. They hated him. They rejected him. They despised him. The Bible tells us of Jesus, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Uh, and so there's the application that Jesus would give to those that would condemn him and he would be crucified. But I believe this application is very even broader. See, this world was made by God and uh, this world is owned by the Lord. And it's quite evident that, that the world as a whole does not want Jesus to rule over them. And after all God has done, what a wonderful creation that God has given, the beauty, the order of the creation, the very gift of life that God has given. Every breath that we breathe is God's gift unto us. And, and the offer of salvation, it's a gift unto the Lord. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, and that invitation goes out to all, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. But His citizens did not want him to rule over him, over them. Uh, the citizens hated him, rejected him, crucified him. It's a testimony as to the wickedness of the human heart. So the human heart without Christ is rebellious. It is sinful. It's depraved. It's defiled. It's deceitful. It's doomed. That's all of us without Jesus Christ. When I read about the citizens did not want him to rule over them, that was my testimony. Yeah, there was a point I did not want Jesus. I did not want his guidance and rulership in my life. I'm so thankful for his grace. So thankful for that gift of salvation that he gave. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It was a free gift. See, without Jesus Christ, there's nothing good in any of us. And apart from Christ, that's our testimony. There is none that seeketh after him. There is none that understandeth. They're all gone astray. That's the testimony of the Bible. And we're like that citizen or those citizens. We will not have this man to rule over us. The only thing that can change that is salvation. It's a new birth. It changes the heart. And it's only as we come humbly to the foot of the cross, to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be forgiven. I want you to see the outcome of the citizens. Go to verse number 27. And in verse number 27, those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. See, Jesus refers to those that rejected him as his enemies. His enemies will be slain. There will be an eternal separation in hell for those that do not know the Lord. For these citizens, there will be no excuse in that day. He gave them every opportunity, every opportunity to be saved, every opportunity to be forgiven. The Lord Jesus Christ chose the means of salvation. It's Christ and Christ alone. I want to close out having you go with me to the Gospel of John for just a moment, chapter number 3. In the account of Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Said Nicodemus, the only way you can go to heaven is not through your goodness, through your life, it's through a new birth. And in John chapter 3, verse number 14, in the context here, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He takes this group uh, back to the time 
where the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord. Poisonous serpents came in their midst. Many died. Moses was commanded to make a brass serpent to lift it up in the wilderness. Those that would look to the serpent, they would live. They would be healed of that sickness. My friend, we all have been bitten by the serpent of sin. We've all disobeyed and rebelled against God. But Jesus Christ has been lifted up. He died on the cross. And those that look to Jesus can be saved. In verse 15 it says, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. This offer is to all. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's gift. But notice in verse number 18, it's very clear. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's no in-between. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either your faith has been in Christ or it's not in Christ, and he that believeth in Christ is not condemned. He that believeth not, and this is important, is condemned already. You see, without Christ, you're condemned without hope. It's a simple plan, but notice verse 19. And this, con- this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Isn't that what he said in that parable? They would not have him to rule over them. They wanted their own path, their own way. We go to verse number 36 of John 3. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There's no excuse. That's the citizens who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the nobleman. He came into the world, and then he went to a far country to receive a kingdom. He left his servants, those of the saved, with these words, Occupy till I come. I'm coming back. We don't know when, he says, but when he comes, he's going to hold his servants accountable. The servants of the saved, there's the faithful servants who take the opportunity that God has given and wisely invest that opportunity for eternity. There's the unfaithful servant who wasted the opportunity, hid the pound in a napkin. And there are the citizens, the lost, who would not have him to rule over them. Where do you fit? Have you been truly saved? Have you been born again? Have you entered into the door? The door is Jesus Christ. Have you come by faith in Christ alone? Received the marvelous, wonderful gift of God's grace. And then if you truly have been born again, are you a faithful servant making use of the opportunity? Or have you squandered the opportunity that God has given to you? It's going to hold you accountable. Maybe you're here this morning, you're lost. And you're like the citizens that would not have him to rule over you. That's where I was. I ran from him. I despised him. I did not want him. I was in church. But I was lost. And maybe that's you this morning. Let's bow our heads today. Every head bowed. Every eye closed this morning. As we come before the Lord.